This episode is brought to you by Belulu Studios, a small event space located in Savannah, Georgia at 3131 Bull Street. For more information, please go to belulustudios.com. That's B-U-L-U-L-U studios.com. Hi, hello. Thank you for listening to The Ten Frame. This is Kevin. In this episode, Kelly and I talked with Aaron Dixon, an artist and educator who currently lives and works just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. She talks about a few concepts that underpin several of her paintings, and we learn about the work that she is displaying at the Gathered Six Group Exhibition, which is currently on view at the Museum of Contemporary Art, Georgia. This exhibit runs until January 13th of 2024. Just a quick reminder that this episode is part of our series of interviews that we captured from a dozen or so artists that shared their work at the Mocha GA's Gathered Six show. For more information about this exhibition, please visit mochaga.org. You can find Aaron's work on Instagram at Aaron M. Dixon Art. If you'd like to learn more about my own work, follow me on Instagram at Kevin Will Paint. And last but not least, you can find Kelly on Instagram at Kelly K. Thompson Art. I hope you enjoy the show. So I noticed in your bio that you're a SCAD graduate. Yep. Nice. What, what was your, what, what did you do at SCAD? Was it in Savannah or Atlanta? Um, so I went to SCAD in Savannah and I um, moved there from Connecticut. Oh, okay. And um, when I visited SCAD, because, you know, at that time they were just um, sending, I don't know, their, their marketing, well, their marketing is always great, but, um, you know, I was looking for schools and we got something in the mail. And so, you know, when I went down there, I sort of just fell in love with Savannah and I started out as an illustration major. And um, I think there's kind of a joke about, you know, those who can't draw become painting majors. And um, that's kind of what happened to me. I didn't really feel like I fit in with um, the illustration thing. And so I ended up getting my BFA in painting from SCAD. I see. Nice. That's the one thing I noticed. I have a graphic design background. So when you're in school and you're undergrad and if you're, if you're an illustrator or you're a graphic designer, you kind of get, you kind of get lumped in together. Um, not that's not a bad thing but anyway i when i first saw your work i was like there's some illustration qualities to this and i think it, it, mostly the reason why i say that is because there's the amount of detail and the attention to that detail um is is very apparent to me it's a great jumping off point if you were you know moving into painting um you have a, a huge advantage to me well, um, you know, I, the drawing, what I do now primarily is drawing because I've been teaching it for 15 years, um, actually more than 15 years. And, you know, I worked really hard because I think that when you have to teach, it just causes you to look at your own practice in a really different way. And um, it's helped me be really experimental 
and take a lot of risks that before I was teaching, and I didn't get into teaching until, you know, pretty late. Like it was 11 years from when I graduated from SCAD to when I went to Georgia State for um, my MFA. And what was the focus set you know, for your MFA? It was, the, it's called, it's drawing, painting, and printmaking. Okay. And, you know, at Georgia State, that can be very interdisciplinary and mm -hmm. it can really mean anything. I mean, you can make video and call it a drawing or, or things like that. Right. Um, nice. So, yeah. And, um, and I studied painting there. My show was oil paintings. I was really interested like with the history of painting and having that be apparent in my work. Um, but I was hired to teach drawing right after school. So that kind of set my practice into a really different direction. And um, and it really took a long time to, I don't know, sort of like develop a cohesive body of work that's uh, because, because I've um, experimented so much since I started teaching. So thank you for saying that about my drawing. I, but it wasn't so detail oriented, you know, when I graduated from uh, Georgia State. So it's, it's changed quite a bit. So you're teaching at Georgia State now? Um, actually, I teach at the University of West Georgia, which is in Carrollton. It's about an hour outside of Atlanta. Okay. How do you feel that the teaching, um, your teaching experience influences your art making? Well, you know, part of it started from like the amount of classes I teach is four classes per semester. And so, um, and especially when I first started, I was commuting from Atlanta and then I would have these insane teaching days of four classes back to back from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And um, by the next day, um, my I'd have like a day to rest and my body would be wrecked and then I'd have to do it all again. And so I had to figure out a way to like fit my work in there. And so I began in my teaching drawing with the students and um, and not drawing like my own stuff, but drawing still life and whatever it is that we're doing in class with the materials that we're using. And so I just accumulated all these drawings and um, I mean, a lot of them were not good or anything like that. I wasn't trying to make a good drawing. I was just sort of like trying to like not hover over the students and but also sort of have a demo going the whole time and then I started kind of cutting up these drawings and, and piecing them together to sort of create new narratives and um, that's really how my work as it is now came about um, and so not everything I draw you know sort of gets cannibalized but that's definitely something I do as kind of um, part of my creative process and trying to, and, and I think part of the illustration thing probably that you might've noticed is just like the, the storytelling that I like to do. For sure. And, um, but I don't necessarily know what the story is going to be until I've played around with all these puzzle pieces that I've made. So on the, when you're drawing is, do you normally draw in black and white and then apply color on top of that or? Do you, I'm um, so, just talk, talk a little bit about the process. Yeah. Um, so in class we used all different kinds of things, but a lot of times it's charcoal, but also pastel It's what, you know, whatever 
I use a lot of materials in the classes. And then I'll cut out the parts of the drawing that are interesting for whatever reason. And then oftentimes I'll coat them in acrylic so that I can handle them and piece them together. And then those go onto a larger sheet of paper and it's often kind of rough or it's not necessarily exactly square. I sort of organically let it form. And then I coat more acrylic and things like clear gesso. And then I can, the final layer ends up being um, pastel. And, and sometimes I'll put objects in or, you know, I, I also paint with acrylic paint in some of the layers. So when you look at it in person, it often has this kind of, you know, you can kind of see the layers underneath as well. So I know a little bit about your work through the MOCA exhibit, the Gathered Six exhibit that's currently on view until January 13th, I think. Can you talk a little bit about the work that's there and does it relate to what you're talking about um, in terms of process? Yeah, I'll describe the piece. Perfect. The piece is, it's a figure that's lying under a magnolia tree and the you know, something that I really like to draw is um, the details and textures and kind of like try to get across the sensory information of the place. And that particular day that I was drawing this magnolia tree, it was really cold and it was like the first cold day of the fall. And I was really in love with this magnolia tree. It was just a beautiful tree. And I really love magnolia trees and they definitely feel like they're like something that makes me think of the South. Um, I love the little seed pods and the beautiful red seeds and, and all that stuff. So that's that was the first thing that I drew in that piece. And then, you know, later on, much later on, I thought, oh, a figure lying under that tree would be great. And I just happened to have a figure that I drew from one of the models that was in my class. And it ends up, you know, possibly feels like it could be me or whatever, but but it really wasn't me to begin with. And then there's kind of a messenger in the form of a robin. And it just kind of like was a stream of consciousness. Like once I had the setting and then the character and then um, just this idea of um, the messages that, that nature might give to us. But it's not necessarily so straightforward as that either. You know, I, I think that they're open to interpretation and what I think about these drawings changes from day to day, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It does. And um, can you talk about scale? What size are we talking about? Are these small pieces? So this piece is, um, it's like 30... Six by forty-eight ish, and it's kind of an irregular size. And the drawings were made with pastel chalk, pastel on paper, and um, then pieced together and layered in acrylic. Um, and I use acrylic clear gesso, which kind of has a ground, so you can see through, but you can draw on top of it with charcoal and pastel, so that the final layer feels it's a it's a pastel drawing and um i you know so that i use um strongly pigmented pastels like sennelier and and some other brands that i love the colors and um as opposed to kind of having an acrylic type finish when you're doing a a collage i'll call it a collage could be mixed media when you're combining these elements and you have 
say a figure from your class and then this other piece, the magnolia tree drawing, do you think about the scale? Are you drawing at the same scale in both spaces or do you have to recreate something like the, did it fit in that space already? Was it serendipitous Um, that it happened that way or did you have to recreate that, that you drew in class to make it fit? Yeah, it was serendipitous. Um, Like everything that I make, I don't, make with the intention of it going into something else because I'm usually trying to be sort of in the moment, you know, um, and it's kind of like I periodically haul out my pile of drawings, spread them out, look at what I have and go from there. Now, once I have something going, I might think, oh, I really need this or that. And I might draw for that specific reason, but it doesn't start that way. Um, when you draw, you can it... see behind me, no, mm-hmm. yeah, no. I can, yeah, uh, just to show you kind of what I'm working on now, but these are actually just drawings that are not going to get cut up or anything, but they are made with, um, started with ink and gesso. And then, um, I was drawing, I also collect a lot of objects and things like that. And, I layered, I painted with acrylic and then there's clear gesso on there. And then the final layer is um, chalk pastel. And then um, here is another piece that is just from my yard. Um, Kind of like, it's this little patch of garden that it kind of grows different plants every year. And it's controlled chaos, which is how I like to work anyway. And um, like those are pieces that are drawings that are not going to be turned into another drawing. They're going to just be straight up. So, you know, I work in in both ways. And I also have started working. I'm having a show in January at um, Spalding Nick's Fine Art in Atlanta, and I'm making a series of uh, planets. And um, so those are... I, I made one planet, and it was basically like a recreation of my house and yard in the you know in a sphere and i was using like little um diorama supplies to make it and my my idea was that i was gonna make drawings and paintings from it is it planet aaron have you named your planet yet oh yes (laughs) it's called um (laughs) it's called home planet home planet okay great what's the size of them what's the scale or um the home planet is about including all the stuff that's sticking out of it, about two feet in diameter. And that's been in a few shows. Um, So I'm making more planets. I'm making one that's called Disaster Planet. And I've got um, another one that I haven't named yet, but it's kind of like a Saturn-type planet with a road around it. And, you know, I do intend to... And actually, I have made drawings of them. But it's kind of... Um, I, I kind of do that. Like, I just get this idea that I have to sort of see through the home planet. That was something that I got the idea for just, you know, during the pandemic and, and just thinking about isolation and, and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of my sort of like in the background of what I do is sort of this, uh, um, environmental ideas and, Hence um, disaster planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I actually have like little bombed out buildings and stuff like that. Um, 
So, so you're saying that they're planets are the, and you also mentioned dioramas. Are they the exterior of the planet or is there like a hole that in, looks into the stratosphere or the inside of the planet or how does that look? It's like, yeah, they're, um, there it's like all a diorama uh, out on the outside. Okay. I love the idea of looking inside something, uh-huh. but um, have you heard of Roxy Payne before? He's he's an artist. I think so. He's living on the west, or I'm thinking Wyoming right now, but or Montana. Um, anyways, he makes these dioramas that you look into, and they're highly detailed and very um, specific. Anyways, I I have a another question that you said something about collecting materials or objects and Kelly yeah. also collects objects. This is more mechanically ba- uh, driven. Um, mm-hmm. What, what are some of the things that you like to collect? Well, or is there um, a couple of favorite like, things of, or a theme that you um, like, to- <laughs> like a lot of it is um, just whatever people will give me okay. or, you know, it's not tiny things. Um, I don't have he, in upstairs. I have um, like a whole little little shelves of all my tiny things. But let's see, I do have a few items which I'll show you. They're going to be really random. Okay, I like it. Let's do some show and tell. So, for example, this it's a broken glass strawberry that I got for free because it was broken. I was going to buy it, and then I said, "Oh, look, it's broken." And then he said, "I could just take it." You know, tentacle fingers. It looks like a octopus tentacle. Yeah, octopus tentacle, little cupid doll. Um, that's from that was from some like yard sale. This had a bunch of like other little ones inside yeah, yeah. it, but I don't have them all anymore. Someone gave me this. It's like a patch, uh, a little pear. This is really beautiful. I love that. It's like a little piece of art. So some of it's like you know, this is a head. <laughs> that I I've it. basically had my whole life um, because I was born in um, Liberia, West Africa. And uh-huh. so, you know, I my parents in their house had all these kind of um, wood sculptures. And this is from a table. There's four of these that fit together, um, oh, some cool. tape, but that's not for collecting. Yeah, a couple of the other pieces yeah. almost looked mask-like. Yeah. Do you? Um, so you take those objects and do you either paint them or make, Multi, like a larger sculptural element or are they implemented into the planets is that well actually a lot of them are in, the reason i have those weird objects or not weird but i have them because i'm painting them in this piece right here gotcha um so you draw them still... you draw them and then they yeah. are they find themselves in the paintings and in the in the, in the 2d the two-dimensional work yeah sometimes they sort of become characters and sometimes they you know sometimes they're just for i don't know inspiration or something like i don't collect them with the idea that they're going to be in something i just kind of collect them and then someday they might turn into something but i also kind of see them as like helping me remember things because at least it's like oh yeah i remember that house that i got that cupid doll at that day that was when my friend lived in this place whereas you know, sometimes I feel like there's parts of the past that become hard to remember, um, you know, especially because like part of my childhood was living in Penang, Malaysia. And so that's a place I can really not go back and visit. 
for one thing, it's totally changed from when I lived there, but I can't go back to a house to like jar some memories. And so I think about that, like what parts of my, you know, the past have been sort of like lost to my memory. And so the idea that these are like a link to that, you know, some sometimes my work, I think of it as about like memory or the way that memories change as you think about them. If that makes sense, I feel like I might be going all over the place here. No, but, it's good. Um, we like that. We we we, we <laughs> go off the rails all the time. You mentioned obviously you have a very rich past to draw from these different locations that you lived in. I think I saw um, some images from Morocco and some other places. Oh, yeah. Do you do you also in your current life do you travel a lot to to draw uh, inspiration from other places? Is that something that you that you incorporate into your practice? Um, hmm. Well, I do, I travel from time to time. Um, and I, I, you know, a lot of times it's like, I got, I get the opportunity through my school or something like that. You know, I don't travel as much as some people I know that are, you know, real jet setters, but it, I think absolutely it's really inspiring. I, I don't uh, always know how, what, I experience will fit into what I do and it's not necessarily, you know, very direct or anything like that because I don't want to, I don't know, present some kind of like exoticized image in a way. Um, and I think that some of the objects like might represent that, that it's like their cliche or their like kitsch or something. And I think when you're a tourist, you come upon these sort of kitschy type objects. And I think about how how I might enjoy those things, but like what is it they're representing or where are they coming from? And and it may just that's be kind of something that embodies a memory from that trip that so when you look at it it would just trigger that memory. That's right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And so like this piece that's behind me is kind of filled with objects that are from different, they represent different memories. And, but then also in just looking like, well, at this idea that, you know, your memories or your life is sort of a collection. These are the remnants of, of that time or something. And still trying to figure out how to put it into words, you know? I was talking to my friend yesterday. I was doing an installation in Savannah. Um, we both live in Savannah right now, but, um, and we were talking about how photos kind of become your memory or it's something that, I don't know, I create my own stories, I think from photographs, you know, or maybe memories or, you know, distant memories. It's, am I, are they real? Are they, is it because of a photograph, you know, that I don't, I no longer see and that creates its own story. It's just a weird, memories are interesting to me. And I think yeah. it's important, like photographs, you know, are able to capture that moment and let us reference it when we choose. But Yeah. Um, so I want to just back up a little bit when you were talking about not working from photo reference, or just kind of a segue. Um, looking at the, some of the images behind you, the one of your yard, you, obviously if you're working from, you know, location, you spend a lot of time outside, so... Um, mm -hmm. do you do any plein air competitions or, I mean, obviously that's, that term is, is very indicative of a certain type of painting. 
yours to me mm-hmm. doesn't really fit into that if there is a category how does how does that kind of cross over do you do you see yourself as a plein air painter um i don't see myself as a plein air painter um but i do like to work in plein air um and i actually have applied to get to a plein air competition which i didn't get in and i did one at I mean, at art fields, have, have you all been involved with art fields at all? I just applied to um, the newest one, but I, I haven't heard back yet. I don't know if they've sent out the acceptance or declined letters yet. I think it's usually maybe in the middle of December. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> did you put the piece in that's in the Mocha show? I did a derivative of it. Yeah, something similar to that. And I love that piece, by the way. They just put the, I know it's off topic, but um, they just released that 360 kind of where you can zoom in. And so I, you know, at the opening, I didn't really get a chance to like see everything or read all the cards. And so it was nice to, you know, it's nice to have that and and to be able to see your piece and like really see the video. But, um, but anyway. I agree. Yeah. I like the way they did that. It's it's really professionally done, and it, it, yeah. it's a great um, tool for us to use, or for them to use to share their work or in our work. Yeah. So they at art fields, um, and I've my planet piece was in art fields, my home planet, um, a couple of years ago, and um, then I've also participated. There's a portrait contest, and. Um, they had a plain air contest last, uh, this past one. And it was really fun, but I mean, I, I feel like that's more of a sport in a way. Like when you're doing portrait drawing, it's, I feel like it's a sport. I, there's definitely people that are wonderful at it and what they do is wonderful art, but (laughs) I, I don't feel like I would call myself that. I think I'm, I need a lot more practice, but but yeah, so I, I like to work outside. I like to feel the elements. I I like to experience the space. But I, I prefer to do it like, I don't know, by myself, not necessarily like with a bunch of people. And I hike a lot. I, um, you know, I like to forage for mushrooms and things like that. So, you know, I guess that's what, that's where that, plain air outside painting comes from you're in the elements doing other things than painting you're not just out there with your easel and your and your uh, materials looking for a good spot to paint yeah that's right that's right um i I have some questions about your planets sorry i didn't mean to bounce around i guess maybe this conversation i know that's okay i don't mind at all (laughs) okay um so the planets that you have i saw some of them reference nature also and some of there's have mm-hmm. I think it Planet Home, that one. Yeah, it has like the lar- large trees ejecting out mm-hmm. of of the sphere. Are those yeah. plastic or are they organic material? And what is the sphere made out of? Are a couple of questions I'd like to understand. Yeah, so you know, and I'm not a sculptor, so I was really winging it, and I think that. Um, the next ones that I'm doing, I can work through a few more of the problems. But I had this idea that I wanted it to look kind of fake, you know, and I wanted it to be plasticky. And um, like, 
I tried to um, as closely map out my yard and the trees as I could. Like in in my backyard, it's all bamboo. And so I have it's actual plastic bamboo that's mm -hmm. in there. So no, it's not organic. Um, I have little people. Uh, I, I wanted to have this prefab kind of look to it. Right. Um, and I guess part of that is just like, uh, you know, at the time, everything felt so like, like it wasn't grounded anymore and, um, spending a lot of time online or, you know, all the sort of like turmoil that was going on. And, and then also this idea of like privilege or, you know, that how lucky I was to have a place like this, where like, if this pandemic hit, you know, 20 years ago, like, where would I be living or quarantined to, you know? So I don't know. It was just kind of this idea of fakeness or um, a toy or something like that. And, oh, it, so it's kind of got a styrofoam core and then I do paper mache over the top to kind of create this topography. Uh -huh. um, and then all these trees and stuff have like wires that you you can kind of stick into the paper mache and then um but i like i painted the stuff and you know i made kind of a cloud out of this like stuffing for pillows and it's i you know in in some of the ones that i'm making i want to have like lights like that represent maybe fire or um things Stars. like that Cars, yep. No, stars, like if they were... Oh, stars. Yeah. <laughs> that's where my imagination oh. went. But my that, yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I was going to ask, too, is when I think of planets, I think about their place in space as well. Yeah. Do you have any interest in astronomy or any of the larger ideas about um, where we are? Does that have any reference point in the work that you're making, I guess I should say? Yes. Um, yeah. And in fact, I have this accordion book that I made that I painted the home planet and put it into space. However, I will say that it doesn't have any like accurate depiction of constellations or anything like that. And I'm not sure if that's something that's important or not right now, because it's kind of, I don't know, I guess I haven't thought that far about it. But I definitely would like once I have my other planets thinking about how they are and what are they revolving around? How are they connected to each other? And um, the way they're going to at the gallery that I, that I'm having the show at, I think they're going to be suspended from the ceiling. Um, but I don't think they'll really have like a environment. Um, I don't think there's really a spot for that. So that's something that further on down the line, I definitely like to think about as more of a larger installation and how they would be, you know, if they had, you know, more of like a universe kind of painted around them. So I, I definitely do think about that, but I'm not far enough along to where I'm exactly sure where that's going. Okay. If I change the scope of your project, I apologize. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And you know, a lot of times I'm kind of jerked back from one project to another, just depending on like what show's coming up or something like that. I've also got a show coming up um, with some other artists at um, GSU Perimeter College, and th that is called 
I, we, and the space between. And some of my work's going to go in there. The work that's maybe a little bit weird for the other gallery. And um, we're also, there's six of us, and we're working on a scroll together. So things like that kind of take me back and forth, just depending on what I'm doing. And I'm also just kind of like that. I just, I wish I could be more like single-minded and finish things in order, <laughs> but that's that's not how it works. I think it's, I mean, at least in my experience, I like to work on multiple things at once and kind of jump back and forth because when you're spending hours and hours and hours on one piece, I think it helps to put that kind of at a little bit of a distance and just kind of reference it every once in a while to see where you want to take it as you're working on something else. That's just true. Personal. Whatever you learn project, yeah. can you can take to the other project. Right. So you mentioned a little bit about your upbringing being in different spaces, different um, countries. Does that influence the music that you listen to these days? Or what type of music, what's the ambient noise in your studio when you're making work? Yeah, it, I mean, yeah, I, I like a lot of different kinds of music. I, I also think that I'm not as, um, I don't put as much thought into choosing my music. Like I have a Pandora station that, you know, or I have multiple stations, but, but sometimes I just kind of let Pandora do its thing, even though it all ends up sounding the same. But I love, um, you know, I love things like Bollywood music and I, I definitely listen to that sometimes. I like um, Americana type music as well. I like stuff like, you know, Lauren Hill and Amy Winehouse. And, um, but I like, I don't know, ambient music sometimes. Um, I like listening to things like This American Life and um, I love Snap that Judgment, if you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my favorites. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I once got to see Snap Judgment live. That was really cool. Right so, but I'm really, yeah, I'm really open to lots of different kinds, especially like, you know, with students and everything, you're trying to like, you know, what do they want to listen to? Not, you know, necessarily everything that I'm listening to, but. Um, to me, that's the best place to find new things to listen to. Or yeah. I don't have students, but um, I do have kids. They're not really kids anymore. My musical taste has definitely changed after having being influenced by them and listening to sometimes not on purpose uh, what they're listening to. But just being around that, I'm sure students probably, you know, enlighten you to uh, to a lot of new things that are coming out. Sometimes they do. Yeah. So this podcast is geared towards emerging artists and. Mm -hmm. I was just curious if you have any maybe advice or something to say to either educational or encouraging words for emerging artists. Yeah, I, I can think of a lot of things that I'd, um, that I'd say to, uh, to younger artists. One is how important it is to have a community around you. And, um, you know, it was really tough when I graduated from SCAD and had this great community and lived in this beautiful place. And then the transition from that to when I moved, I moved to Atlanta and just floundered for a little bit, you know, and um, 
thankfully I still had my um some people I knew from SCAD and and I kept some friends that just could be your artistic community, you know, because if you don't have your um professors or, you know, all the people in your class that are constantly kind of giving you feedback or, you know, you can be inspired what they do, it can just be kind of tough. Also, that you don't know what opportunities you're going to get. Um, you're, I think, as a creative person, as a creative, you've got to be open to what that means. You know, I mean, I worked, I did a lot of different stuff before I went to grad school. I worked in um, a glass factory. I worked in a handmade wallpaper studio. I actually worked in a little painting sweatshop for a while. But you know, these were all things that really helped me figure out what I wanted to do. And, and I built my skills. And, um, and I know people that did a lot of other different things, too. And also, you know, just because maybe you end up not making work for a little while, sometimes you don't let that scare you. <laughs> you know, I, I guess sometimes it just happens in life that you're not in a production phase. And sometimes living life is part of learning um, about being creative and you just have to be persistent and you also have to get out there. It's kind of a balance, I guess, you know, you have to work and be in your studio, but at the same time you have to connect with people. Community, I suppose is the, is the main takeaway I would say. Love it. That's great. We're finding that to be a common answer. Definitely a common thread. Yeah. And which so makes it more, you know, with an exclamation point on it, that right. community is important. What kind of a studio space do you have? Are you, do you have a, um, an external studio from home? Do you, do you have a space at home that you work in? Or I am really fortunate right now to have this big basement studio. And it's a, I also have a space at school um, where I teach. I do not have a, um, an external studio at this time. It's nice and open. Uh, it's got a deck. I I would like. I think that um, in the future, I would like to be in a outside studio to work with other artists because I think that that could be a really great experience. But um, right now, this is this is working well for me. Sounds nice, and for you especially having the deck. I guess you can you can be painting outside anytime the weather is conducive to do that. That's right. And, and it often is, you know, um, there's not really, even if it's, there's not really too many days where it's like super, super cold. So the future, you have a couple of shows coming up. That's nice. You're at the MoCA yeah. currently. Um, lots of good things going on. Yeah. I think if um, we could, I just really appreciate you spending some time with us and um, sharing all the knowledge that you have. I appreciate it. Well, let me know if you're in town. Um and uh, thanks so much for giving me a chance to speak with you. And um, it was my pleasure. Sounds great. Best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.